Welcome to the Taproom Post Net Podcast. I am Delta Zero Four, and we will be covering the Nets topic of the week. Welcome, y'all. I am Delta Zero Four, located in the Redoubt of the South. This is Taprin Postnet Podcast, episode 14-07. Every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern, Taprin has an amateur radio HF net. The primary purpose for the net is to promote self-reliance and preparedness in all aspects of modern life. The goal of the net is to share and disseminate information that can help everyone achieve individual independence and self-reliance. During the net, we'll have a topic of the evening, so this podcast is a summary of the combined knowledge our check-ins share during the Taprin Nets. If y'all have questions about Taprin, feel free to go to the following website, www.amron.com. Phonetically, that's www.alpha-mike-romeo-romeo. OscarNovember.com. In the beginning of this year, the Amron Group and Taprin Group merged, so you can find Taprin information, including the net schedule and frequency, at the Amron site. All right, let's take a quick break, and then I'll provide y'all a net check-in report, and then we'll finally cover the July 20th Taprin Net Topic. And we're back. For July 20th, 2014, Taprin had a total of 32 check-ins from the following states. Five from Virginia, four from Michigan, three from Alabama, three from Florida, two from Oklahoma, two from Ohio, and one each from the following states. Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Texas, New Jersey, Indiana, Louisiana, Wisconsin, West Virginia, Illinois, and Kentucky. And then last, we also had one from Ontario, Canada, and one from Grand Cayman, Cayman Islands. Thanks everyone for checking in. A quick announcement before we get started with our topic. We asked check-ins if they would be interested in a midweek Taprin digital net. There was some definite interest in starting that up once again, so watch for future announcements on that. The Nets' topic of the week was computer security and privacy. That I know of, this was the first time we discussed this type topic, and even though it does not pertain to emergency preparedness per se, it does relate to why we take extra precautions with what is going on around us and try to prevent third-party companies, data mines, hackers, and who knows who else from trying to be nosy and attempting to get our personal information. We had a lot of great suggestions from our check-ins when it came to advice on different applications to use for various tasks and precautions to take when using your computer, tablet, or cell phone. One check-in provided a link to a handbook titled Information Security for Journalists that covers pretty much everything. Operating system, email, data, internet browsing, password, instant messaging, and even voice and video over internet. If you haven't already read through that, I'll provide a link for it on www.amron.com. 
please understand, for me personally, the more detailed information covered on this subject goes right over my head, so I might bore you experts out there with my simplified explanations, but I'll do my best to cover what our much more knowledgeable check-ins had to say on the subject. As always, please do your own research and use whatever security that best fits your situation. What I'm going to do is break down this topic into three components. The first part will be basic security for your computer, tablet, and cell phone. The second part will be internet browser and search engine applications you can use to provide a little more privacy. And the third part will be email applications you can use to provide better protection against hackers. Although these are not foolproof, they do provide an extra layer of security. Okay, let's start with part one. When it comes to overall computer security, we've pretty much all heard the typical precautions. For instance, whatever internet browser you use, make sure you have your settings arranged so that your cookies, temporary files, and search history are deleted each time you exit out of your browser. Also, use a good virus protection software for your internet browser and email applications. And don't forget, for home routers, use at minimum WTA2 password setting and a good firewall, but those are just the beginning. If you want to take it to the next level, here are some suggestions. For any files stored on your computer that you want extra security, one check-in suggested for the Mac operating system, use FileVault. And for Windows and Linux operating systems, use TrueCrypt. Another suggestion from an InfoSec website was compartmentalization of information within your computer. Hopefully I have this right, but the check-in explained you can set up different accounts on your computer and then place different information within each account. A couple of more suggestions involved passwords, and there's one thing for sure, we all use passwords in one form or another. One example was to use another language besides English for your passwords, like one of the many Native American languages. Even something we used as kids called Pig Latin might be a better alternative than plain English words. Another suggestion was to use a password manager. Then you can use super complex passwords for all your individual accounts and then have one password to get into the password manager. Some examples of password managers are 1Password, LastPass, KeyPass, RoboForm, and Splash ID. Also semi-related are those security questions you sometimes are asked to set up for your bank accounts, like your mother's maiden name or the street you grew up on. Think about providing a bogus answer for those type questions, printing it out, and storing it somewhere safe. The last level might take things too far for some folks, but it's still very good advice. Whenever you are not using your Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, or GPS on your computers, tablets, and cell phones, it's three simple words, folks. Turn them off. Off. For me personally, on my cell phone, the Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and GPS are always off. The only time I turn my GPS option on is when I get lost while going somewhere new and need some assistance. Once I know where I'm at, I turn it off again. Depending on your cell phone and tablet, there are also location settings that you can turn off if you choose to do so, usually under location and security or something similar. And be careful, just because you turned off one setting might not mean you have them 
all turned off. Depending on your device, there could be a cell service provider location setting, a standalone GPS location setting, and a phone-specific location setting. There is a service called E911, which from what I know, cannot be turned off on any phone, but you can at least try to turn off as much as possible. And all those applications like Facebook, Twitter, Foursquare, Instagram, and Google Store applications absolutely love to collect information about your marketing history and location, so beware. My advice is to not use them at all, but if you do, please make sure to every once in a while recheck your security settings for each application to make sure you are getting as much privacy as possible. One check-in said he does not even use a smartphone. A little side note from one check-in to prevent any unwanted credit checks from various banks and companies set up a credit freeze with a pin number then the only time a company can do a credit check on you is when you want it done Okay, let's get into part two. While we cannot stop all prying eyes, the idea is to try to eliminate it as much as possible or at least make it more difficult to gain access to such information. Companies like Google and Yahoo are very well known for tracking your internet searches and location to try to improve their marketing to you. So for starters, try to stay away from Microsoft Internet Explorer for your browser. When it comes to internet search engines, try to stay away from Google, Yahoo, and Bing. A couple of alternatives that were suggested are SmartPage and DuckDuckGo. These search engines are better at keeping your searches private. At bare minimum, one check-in said you can use HTTPS everywhere. It runs in the background of a browser like Firefox. Even better yet, a lot of check-ins suggested Tor, that's Tango, Oscar, Romeo, for a browser. One expert in this field said for browsing, they tend to use Tails. If you go to www.torproject.org, you can get both the Tor bundle and Tails. I'll provide a link to that website. My personal experience is that Tors is a little slower than Internet Explorer when it comes to loading a website, but there's a very good reason for that. The simplest explanation someone provided me is that it quote-unquote runs you through a roulette wheel of hopping from router to router while being highly anonymous and encrypted, unquote. Tor also keeps down the pop-ups and those annoying ad emails that show up in your mailbox. So it's not the greatest for watching videos on YouTube, unless you don't mind being sent over to another country's version of YouTube, but it is good when you want to anonymously go to a website. Okay, hang in there folks, we're on part three. When it comes to email services and applications, quite a few folks agreed on the same thing. For email applications, consider using something besides Microsoft Outlook. One check-in suggested Mozilla Thunderbird and then installing the PGP add-on for encrypted email. If you are not familiar with the whole concept of encrypted email, do not let that scare you off. Basically, you have an individual secure key, just like a key to a lockbox. This key has a public piece and a private piece that's linked to each other. For anyone you want to exchange encrypted emails with, you send your public key to each other. And presto, you are now set up. 
PGP pretty much runs in the background of Thunderbird, minus the application asking for your password whenever you want to send or read an encrypted email. And that's pretty much it. That's definitely a simplified explanation of it, but hopefully that helps give folks a big picture view and encourages folks to use it. One side note, when it comes to sharing files and sending more private instant messages to each other, consider using RetroShare. It uses the same concept that was just explained, where you have keys and exchange keys with each other. Okay, I know that was a whirlwind tour of computer security and privacy. Thanks for putting up with my beginner viewpoint for this episode. I'll provide some links on www.amron.com that are more knowledgeable check-ins sent me to share with y'all. I know I'll be checking them out, and I hope you will also find them useful. Always remember, there are very few, if any, methods that are foolproof when it comes to computer security and privacy, but every little bit that we can do to put an extra layer between us and the bad guys is, in my opinion, a very smart move. All right, y'all. That is all for this episode. A special thanks to those who checked into the net and provided us all the great information to share. God bless everyone. Until next week, this is Delta Zero Four, clear.